it's the proudest day and the proudest time and the a seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Crunching Gears, the Rally Podcast. I'm delighted now to welcome along Connor Edwards and Graham Nesbitt. Lads, you are very welcome along. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Um, Graham's here to help us launch the NCAR from Donegal 2006, the, the Mitsubishi year. Graham, what a year, what a find. Absolutely, Kevin, and um, thanks very much to yourself and Connor for having me along. Um, it was one of those things, a bit random. We, we knew this footage was lying around the house somewhere. Um, and, and at Christmas time, we, we managed to dig it out. And when we sat down and watched it together, we thought, you know, this is something that a, I think a wider audience might enjoy. And myself and Kevin got chatting and said, you know what, would it be even more crack? You know, we'll, we'll get the, the footage put live on YouTube, but even better, we'll get Andrew and James on to just have a, have a chat about it and, and sort of reminisce and look back on what was, for me, you know, one of the most exciting years of the Donegal Rally. And obviously for, for us as a team and, and for um, for Andrew and James, you know, probably one of the, the greatest wins, the last win they had as a pair. And um, yeah, I think as everyone's going to get to see shortly after this, you know, we got the two boys on, they're in great form, great bit of crack. And, you know, as, as uh, you mentioned, Kevin, we're going to put the footage live this evening on YouTube. There's 12 or 13 stages from that rally that people can go and watch at their leisure on YouTube. And, um, you know, you'll certainly see some hairy moments and some really good action and, and really you know for us it was great to get it out there that's for sure and connor we've had the privilege of uh previewing some of the, this in car it is something else isn't it oh it is it's just phenomenal to watch like genuinely you know a master at work over the donegal stages and again stages everybody's fairly familiar with and uh you know not only do we get to to see the 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 clips of the in-car shortly, but we have that fantastic commentary from Andrew and James, you know, reliving the stories as it happened. Yeah, like, uh, you know, uh, what a night we had, like, uh, like, our nerd uh, antennae was on for alert, you know, <laughs> so, Graham, uh, before we go any further, we have to take time now to thank you for helping us pull this project together, um, Andrew and James as well for making the magic happen. But I think without further ado, I think we started off with a conversation and it was Graham, you took the, the reins and telling us how you, you come across the, the footage. That's it, Kevin. So um, thankfully, we've uh, we've managed to pull this out and look, hope, hopefully everyone enjoys the conversation. I know we had a great bit of crack chatting about it. I think it gave the two boys a lot of food for thought to uh, maybe have another chat again in the future when we get a few more of these tapes pulled out. But hopefully everyone enjoys the footage. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's crack on to the conversation. Absolutely, Kevin. Well, I think it's probably important to say there had been a few uh, beers consumed uh, a couple of days after Christmas, and myself and Andrew were, were sitting in the front room looking to, to put on something to watch. And I said, oh, sure, I'll go and have a wee route around here and see if there's anything interesting. And, and lo and behold, came across Andrew and Nesbitt, Andrew Nesbitt and James O'Brien, Donegal 06 in car camera. <laughs> I think it was about half 10 or 11 o'clock at night when we put it on, and, and uh, half 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, we were still sitting there watching. <laughs> Atlantic Drive so um, it was slightly unexpected but having watched through it 
you know, we said this has been been lost to the cupboard for 17 years and really we need to get this out there because I think um, obviously for us and, and, and for, for a lot of people, it was a very special rally and some of the footage is just absolutely incredible. And, and to see, you know, some of the, the commitment that the, the two lads on, on the call showed, you know, it really just felt like something that I think other rally fans in Ireland and, and further afield would want to see. That is for sure. You know, I, I've had the privilege of looking at some of the stages and I don't know. I don't think any of the two years was right wired at the time at all, you know. But like, Andrew, from your point of view, you know, 2006, you sort of said in 2005, that was it. You were hanging up the helmet. You were going to walk away. You had nothing left to prove. What was the motivation, you know, about coming back in 2006? Well, <clears throat> I think we have to tell the story what happened here because it really was a very unusual experience as to how the whole deal came around. I got a phone call one day from a guy in Oma and he said, Andrew, uh, I'll not mention names here, but we'll call him Walter Mitty for the mean, in the meantime. Uh, we, I want to put a rally team together. I want the British rally champion and I want the Irish rally champion. And I want you to both. I'm going to put a package together. I'm going to bring you to the Donegal International Rally this year in 2006. And I'd like to meet you. So we arrived in Armagh. We met, we talked. And my goodness, the story was so way out there that I was going to get a chance with James O'Brien to drive a world rally car, the real deal, as James calls it. And they were going to be bringing Mark Higgins as, along as well with Rory Kennedy. And I'm going, well, this has to happen if it's ever going to happen. So I'm, I'm going, is this for real? And then I had to you know, gather myself up uh, three months before or two months before the rally and, and go start training again. Now, at this stage, I'm 46 years of age, and I'm thinking, well, am I really fit to take on the British champion in Mark Higgins, who is a very unique driver in himself, technically very capable, the present James Bond 007 driver, like he, this guy has some history behind him. And so at that time, I'm going, OK, I'll follow this through and we'll see how, how we get on. So this guy pulled the deal together with John Easton in Mitsubishi World Rally Team. and. About 10 days before the rally, John Easton phoned me. He says, John Easton here, Andrew, I haven't heard from you. Why well, says, we've, we've some guy pulling the whole deal together. He says, well, I haven't heard from him either. And we have the cars prepped and ready to go to Donegal. And I'm just asking, is it happening? Because we need to get over there two or three days before the event, get the set, you know, get the car set up and everything. And I'm going, okay. Right, well, I, I'm happy to put my deposit down. He says, no, one car, no show. Two cars, there is a show. He says, the Irish champion, the British champion, that's the deal. If that deal is going to go through, we're coming. If it doesn't go through, both cars, nothing's going to arrive in Ireland. And I didn't. I hesitated for three seconds. And I said, OK, I'll pay the deposit for both cars. How about that? Mm -hmm. He goes, OK, then the deal's on. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, we couldn't feel find Walter Mitty. He disappeared <laughs> off the face of the earth. In fact, I did see him in the side of my eye at the finish ramp running in the direction of Oma. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's still running. <laughs> oh, in a funny way, James and I would always say, we have to thank someone out there uh, by the name of Walter Mitty who pulled the deal together because we would never have had the opportunity, one, to drive a Mitsubishi World Rally car, and secondly, 
win the the Donegal International Rally for the sixth time. It was an amazing situation for us. But, you know, James will tell you the pace of that car was amazing. But we got the two cars to Ireland, but the first car arrived, which was my car. Mm-hmm. But Mark was allowed to test that car between 9 and 12 o'clock uh, on the day. And then I was to get into the car and test between 1 and 4. At three o'clock, Mark was still in the car testing my car. And I'm going, Mark, you you know, you, you're gonna to have to give me a chance to drive this car because your car is only two hours away. He says, No, no, I'm I'm continuing testing. He was the test driver for Mitsubishi, don't forget. Mm-hmm. He was at that level. And I'm going, but Mark, I have to know what the suspension setup is. Anyway, long story short, uh, John Easton asked him to let me into the car. And we, James, I could start to drive the car. Sorry, James never was in the car actually at all. So the test engineer got in and we warmed the car up for probably five, six minutes. And we did a couple of runs up and down the road. And I said, right, I'm going to attack this section of road at about 80%. Well, lo and behold, the car stood in its nose like a, a buck and bronco. And it came back down again and it jumped again. And it landed, and we went up the road another 50 metres, 100 metres, and stopped. I said, are those his final settings? As in Mark Higgins. He says, yes, those are his final settings. Right. Now, I'm going to get this buck and bronco to control itself. But you have to promise me no one gets my settings for at least one day. And we, we tested for another two hours. And all of a sudden, we were going to take this kick and jump and dip lot. And they became our settings for the rally. So there was two settings. There was two identical cars, Mitsubishi World Rally cars, the exact same engine power, torque, everything was identical. But the two suspension settings were different. And I'm nearly going to say completely different. They were. So I had said to James when we got to the following day, I said, you know, there's two different settings here. And this is going to be the winning or losing of this rally. I've either got it right or Mark has got it right. So it's going to be between the two of us. So different drivers have different techniques. But I was always used to setting up the suspension on the pro drive cars to come to Ireland. And so we got that car set up. And to this day, that has now... That for every year after, that became the Belgium setting, the Holland set, all of those rallies across Europe, they used our settings that we we set the car up with in Donegal. So we got the car down and the engineer and I, I made him promise me that no one would get these settings. So after day one, I think it was stage five and six, we had a slow start. Both Mark and I had a slow start. But when we got to five and six, we, I think, moved forward a little bit and we won the next, those two stages because my car was more comfortable than his. And I think it was midday Saturday that someone said to Mark, you really need to consider going on to Andrew's settings here. That's what happened. And then it was snip and tuck. He'd take three, I'd take three, he'd take five, we'd take five. And it was just an amazing race. And he upped our game. I will say that in full credit to him. He upped our game. And then the pace got to a level that 
where, where it got to. Yeah. And like James, from, from your point of view, like, you know, you had been in world cars, you know, you had been in the, you know, the S5, the S6s, all up through the, the pro drive range, but the, they were customer cars. This Mitsubishi, there was no such thing as a customer package. This was the real deal, you know, did it, did it feel different right from the get go? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I suppose the first time I, I sat in the car, I think, before scrutiny to make sure the seatbelts fitted. And after that, the next time I sat in the car was in front of a green on heading out to the first stage. So we, <clears throat> we went off down the road. Next thing, there was some kind of a hydraulic business in the back of the car. My mechanical knowledge, obviously, is vast in these matters. <laughs> but <clears throat> next thing, there was this... I said in my, oh, dear, Andrew... <laughs> I think the cars and bother. Basically, you yeah. know what I said. For the thing yeah. is after cabbing. So yeah. he said, "No, no, no, no. That's what it does." So this thing was was hissing and whatever inside. And I said, "Grand, okay." So in fairness to it, um, we went down the into the first stage, and I didn't obviously I'd never sat in a works car previously, but the nearest I can explain it, it was it had the length of an Opel of the old Opel Manta. And had the power of a jet, and this thing you just felt you got a kick in the backside, in the back of the seat, and it flogging flung you halfway down the road. You know it was phenomenal, yo. The power was unreal in it. Um, and obviously Andrew, Andrew was kept. He had the bucking bronco kind of half tamed at that stage, but it really was phenomenal. And I suppose the other thing was the lads had actually done all the testing on, I think, on dry roads. I think. And when when uh, when it came to Friday, of course, the man above decided to bless us. So <clears throat> really, we were at nothing. I think the tires mightn't have been great, and with that level of power, and if it taught me anything, is the fact that those cars are so specialised um, that you can actually dial them into a little, a, even the smallest couple of hundred meters of road, whether that's dry or wet. So your settings can be absolutely brilliant for a small patch of road. But flog and kill you everywhere else. Do you know that kind of a way that they, they yeah. are? They they're, they're so technically advanced that they, yeah, it, it is possible to dial them into such a to such an extent. But yeah, um, the big thing with those was that Mitsubishi. They they had they didn't have customers. We were their first ever customers, if you call it that. So if you bought a car or got a car from Imsport or Pro Driver, whoever at the time. <clears throat> whatever you got, you really wouldn't be cap probably not capable of running it. And the car would pro for for many reasons, one of which uh, some a lot of the stuff they wouldn't give you anyway, but, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and more of it uh, reality is if it was life to probably you'd probably get one event out of it the whole thing would have to be rebuilt so nobody could really afford them. Um, so on that score, the, th the car had been up. That's the, if you like, the level at which the Mitsubishi was running on, 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 the, on the world scene. Mm -hmm. When it came to Donegal, it was running against the, if you like, slightly detuned Mitsubishis and our uh, Subarus and Fords. Subarus and Fords. Yeah. That's not to take away from, 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 from the achievement of, of, of the two nutcases that were behind the wheel, <laughs> but it was still, um, it really was phenomenal. The, um, and as I say, even yet, you, you, some some of the photographs, uh, the car basically um, it took a, it. Uh, I think it took a lot of air that weekend. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You remember, James? I when I was doing the test, it was up at Cynthia Fury's 
cousin's house, Russell's, and we were testing a very bumpy section of road, and there was a very bad left-hander, bad right-hander, and every time the car would try and push, like a front-wheel drive car, it would mm. push me, trying to push me through the hedge on the opposite side and in the opposite way. And I went, got back in, I said to the to John Easton, I said, John, what's going on here? This car wants to push me off the road. He says, okay, Andrew, it feels like you're probably driving at a second a mile too slow. And I'm going, right, you're telling me go harder. He says, yeah, I'm telling you to go harder. Go harder. And as soon as I went harder, the car turned in like a dream. He was 100% right. I was driving it as if it was the other cars I was driving. It was another second a mile in this thing. Uh, and I'm going, whoo <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. And then when James got to feel that on the Friday, the first couple of stages, you were going, my goodness, how, what is going on here? Because I remember you saying to me after the second or third stage, what is this car doing just around these corners? And I'm going, I was told to drive it hard, James. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just put the head down and call the next note and get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> and Graham, from your point of view, like you know, we've done a wee bit of homework coming up, you know, before we started recording. This was the car that was in Monte Carlo. This, you know, this was this, you know, the, we keep going back to this term, the real deal. Like, Absolutely. I mean, just to put into context, the previous rally for the team, which was all the same guys, the same mechanics, the same engineers, same team manager, they had come back two weeks previously from doing the Acropolis rally in Greece with UC Valamaki. They were coming straight off the World Championship to Donegal. Um, and the two cars that showed up, uh, they were, you know, ex uh, Gigi Galli, ex Harry Rovenpera cars that had come off the World Championship that year. But actually also then Higgins's car went on to do the World Championship the following year. So, you know, those cars were, were not end-of-life works cars going off to find their next home with a new owner. They were full rally art cars that were at the absolute highest specification, you know, went back for full rebuilds after that rally because that is just the way they did things. And, um, you know, the level of engineering that those guys went to. And I think we've probably actually got an insight into it the last six months having bought one of these cars, um, and, and that's another story possibly <laughs> at the end of the podcast, you know, we, we now have one of, of these very, very special beasts because it was only 16 of them ever built. But the engineering dis discipline that John Easton, and you know, he took rally the Rally R team over, it's now MML Sports, which is his business, but the level of engineering that those guys had was on a Formula One level. And if you look at individual components on that car, if they want to get one rebuilt now, they actually go to the same supply chain as the Formula One teams in the UK because all of the bits were specially manufactured and right through the suspension componentry, the electronics. Everything that those guys did was to the highest possible standard. And I think um, as much as you know, we, we were used to in Ireland, particularly in that sort of decade in the 2000s of stuff coming out of the World Championship and, and very special cars, I think that weekend, those guys and those two cars brought the engineering level to another level from, from what we were used to. And that's, you know, um, I think something very special to look back on, that it was one of the very few times, if not the only time, to have two fully works cars with a works team on Irish tarmac. Yeah, like, you know, like ProDrive would have sent over an engineer and that engineer could have been working with maybe three, four, five cars. Mitsubishi sent over engineers for two cars. Like you said there was like a guy there for the engine, there was a guy there for the suspension. You know, every every component almost or you know, the major component in the car had an engineer. Well the engineer that built the Donegal car for me 
uh, along with John Eastman at the time, Malcolm, is after rebuilding the car we've purchased that was in Donegal for the, the run this year. So Malcolm is, you know, forever building Mitsubishi World Rally cars, and he's a very special guy at it. So yeah, the, these guys have worked. They've won all the four World Championships with, with Tommy Mackinnon back in the Group A. And um, obviously, I think it's, it's well documented. You know. The World Rally car era probably didn't go as well for Mitsubishi. You know, the factory funding was getting pulled at that time. Um, they actually had a deal done with Abu Dhabi for 2007 to, to rejuvenate the team. And, and almost in the same way now that M Sport had the deal with Ford to be a, essentially full factory, but with, you know, it's an independent team. Uh, you know, Mitsubishi centrally had cut that funding and these guys were trying to keep that going. But the core of that team went right back to the Tommy Mackinnon days. Um, and, as, and as you said, Kevin, quite rightly, you know, there was a specific engineer solely focused on the engine, sp- specific engineer f- solely focused on the suspension. And actually in the test, um, you know, the, there were several runs where the engine guy would get in. He actually had a, a set of headphones that he plugged specifically in to listen just to the engine noise. And he would be sitting with his eyes closed going up and down this tarmac road in, in the the back of Churchill somewhere and how he kept his eyes closed. <laughs> um, not hot seat a few times, <laughs> not as many times as James, but he kept his eyes closed and just listened to the engine note. And yeah. from, he knew what the engine was doing. These guys were just on a phenomenal level, really. And, and it was a, a pleasure to be part of it. And Andrew, I, I suppose the fact there was two identical cars and, and, you know, somebody of the level of Mark Higgins driving the second car, that it added an extra layer or level of credibility to your win. You know, it's not a case that you came along with the strongest machine and the rest of the local competitors were, were you know, in a, in lesser cars, you know. So certainly it added extra level of credibility, I would see, to, to, the, to the win that you took on the event. Yes, but look, I've, I've had a lot of respect for a lot of drivers over the years. Uh, that came to Donegal, particularly Mark Higgins. Mark and I raced in the, against each other in the Ulster, and uh, he won. I raced him several times. I, I was, he and I were always in the throw of, of battle with each other, but I have to say he was the better driver on those occasions. And for me to get the two world rally cars identical, uh, well, that was going to be a level a playing field. So the best man was going to win that. And, you know, to be fair, if Mark had got ahead of us, he'd have been very hard to beat. And so when he was taking two or three seconds off me in the second day on some of the stages, I had to take them back. Otherwise, he would have gotten front. And that's, that was the inner feeling that I had, and James at the time, because Rory Kennedy had the best navigator uh, with him that knew the stages from Donegal sitting with him. I had the best navigator uh, from Cork sitting with me. And just like that, James and Rory have competed many times. So it was a battle between driver, navigator, driver, navigator. And we have total respect for each other, always had. And it was really uh, down to a great race. And don't forget, we had Colin McRae that, that yeah. weekend in Donegal in the 6R4 Metro. And I remember hearing footage of him coming off one of the stages going into Knuckles saying, uh, what's Nesbitt's time? And O'Brien, <laughs> he want, he still wanted to know what our times were, yeah. even though he was driving the 6R4 Metro. And you remember he went down the road backways and mm-hmm. the, the car control the man had was just unbelievable. 
and over the years, I was very fortunate enough to have uh, raced with Colin, as I did with Richard Burns, not to mention a, a number of other people out there. But that was the weekend. They were all there to see these Mitsubishi World Rally cars arrive. And what a spectacle they all got. And the, yeah. uh, the, the other thing there, Kevin, was the fact that I, I, um, when I, on the run up to tonight, it was a bit like doing my leaving set all over again. I had to go back and set a whole lot of swatting <laughs> and whatever. But uh, got, most of the stuff, unfortunately, is gone. Um, we, we were of an era of um, websites. Remember those things? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and rally forums. Remember those oh. things? Yeah. yeah. And, and, scandal uh, started. <laughs> Harrison Pace notes, Lord bless Brian. Um, remember those things? Yeah. yeah when Now it's all instant and all the rest of it. But in fairness, um, the one man who's still there was, it was Angus. And I went in and I was, I was able to count. A uh, 23 W World Rally car started that event actually on the start line. Wow. So that right. is some, okay. Yeah. The other side of it is there were 23 group in cars as well. So right. let us not, let's not forget those lads. But remember, yeah, okay, we're, 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 we're in a, we were in a slightly different era because we had a number of people there that have since left the sport or whatever uh, and you had lads that really were, were 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 pushing really hard particularly at the at the at the beginning um you had like young gareth jones um kevin Lynch, uh, you know, yeah too. kevin 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 led it for a while yeah so you had a whole you had a whole raft i, I don't know we were number six or seven i think it was mark number 18 or 19 or something because mm -hmm. we our yeah. entries went in early as usual you know they usually <laughs> carry on yeah so there were a couple of holes appeared and we filled them but yeah um I think it was, it is, it was, at the time it was close enough to a who's who of Irish rallying. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'd say the number of lads that were left at home that weekend would were, you know, from the top 20 were few and far between. So anybody who was anybody turned up that weekend and um the likes, yeah. You know, we had we had Michaels of, of, of various generations there, um, mm -hmm. and you know, they, they put it up to us as well. So yeah, it was it, yeah, while it, it ended up being about the Mitsubishi's. It was, and I think uh, Kevin Kevin Lynch and and Gareth Jones were probably numbers. That, mm -hmm. I don't know were they even in the top ten I, on I the seeding. I, I think the first day they were teams. Yeah. No, but from a seeding point of view, I think they were well down the field. So mm -hmm. the, anybody mm -hmm. in the top twenty was capable of winning the thing. Sure. And the, you know, they were all. Everybody was taking pot shots at everybody. Mm -hmm. And like I remember that the the thing that sticks out in my mind from that year was the first Mark II Escort on the road was number forty one. Like that shows, you know, yeah. the level of world car and Group N machinery. And at that stage, the Group N machinery was, you know, second to none here and there. And, you know, you had the likes of Gary Jennings and all these guys in the Group N category. Well, the, the reality of it was, Kevin, and I think it's interesting to look back on it now, you know, uh, so many years on, but 2006, the whole country had gone so mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and yeah. I think actually that entry list is probably as good an insight into how mad the country was. The number of world rally cars, yeah. and like you talk about the guys pulling out all the stops to be on the start line in Donegal, yeah. these boys weren't turning up in horses and carts. Like no. the, this was what is the absolute loot best that I can get. Yeah. And um, you know, I think it just brought the level of competition to. I, I think certainly for me, you know, if not the peak, one of the peaks. Mm -hmm. And obviously we had the, the, the pleasure of Mr. Loeb and Mr. Gronholm and those guys coming over, you know, in following years. But I think in terms of a, a pure Donegal, it really was exceptional. 
Oh, like, uh, oh, I do believe it will go down in the history books. If, if not the best, definitely in the top three, you know, there's no doubt about it. And like, Andrew, like, we'll go back to the whole, you know, Mark Higgins thing. Like, Mark, as you say, you said always a tight racist, but Mark always seemed to just be that wee fraction ahead. Was there a, a bit I wanted to come to my turf and we'll see who's the boy then, you know? Well, I went to his turf in the Isle of Man and he beat us. Mm-hmm. And he came then to Ulster and uh, he and I were at each other and he, he hit a pole, I remember, going in the Ford Works car. As Shame says, it was a Ford Works car. And we, yeah, so he went on to win the rally. But the point I'm going to get to here, I was the oldest driver in 2006 to win the Donegal International Rally. I was probably two stone heavier than I would normally be. And Mark was probably his usual 10 or 11 stone. So power to weight ratio played a big part in that car. I had to drive the nuts of it to just stay in front of him. You know, because... As, and James, James and I would have been similar in in the weight bracket, and Rory and uh, and and Mark were similar. So I would say we were carrying an extra rim and tire at least in the car. So and that's the second mile we had to overcome. And Connor, I think we'll cut across here now to the the first clip from Brina. Well, this here words film. Just with uh, what do you see this? I remember that corner so well. <laughs> oh, James, I don't know. I, I do think you need uh, some kind of talking to you or something. Like how you could sit there and uh, you weren't very calm, mind you, but it's something else. <laughs> yeah, rem- remember basically was some would have been something. Would obviously a corner we'd have discussed because remember uh, we did the. Discuss fight. I don't know. Whatever. Have a have a have a have like a frank exchange of views. I suppose would be the way you'd put it. He'd said there's one thing I disagree or whatever, but it didn't really matter in the end because if you like, we had the thing discussed so much that you could have called it anything. Sometimes we did, but uh, yeah. And the other issue I think going down into that chicane, I think was the mud. <clears throat> there was always a fear. Um, the the big problem with 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 chicanes particularly on narrow roads that the car basically leaves the the normal track where you have decent grip and you're going on to the either the crap in the middle of the road and one wheel on the on, on the inside so sometimes it, it can get to be a skating rink yeah. so yeah that's i suppose those are the just looking at the clip i don't remember a thing of a thing of it but just looking at the two clips those are the the two things that kind of spring to mind yeah but do you remember james coming into that crest because when I watched it, I was sitting back here watching it, uh, you'll see the car is go sideways and we're full full on fifth gear. We knew that the chain the chicane was coming and it was loose as you were landing, so you could see the opposite lock coming on. And I, I have to say, as I was sitting here, the hairs were rising on my legs and the back of my neck and everywhere else. Not my head because I've lost it there. <laughs> but it, you know, that that's just what makes it special. 
And, um, and with regard to the pace notes, James, you mentioned there, you know, there's a bit of a robust conversation around them, but who's responsible for putting the remembers in? Is that you, James, or is that Andrew? Or, you know, who? No, it would be Andrew. And the heel of the hunter notes are always the driver's notes. That's that's a kind of the very basic rule and in, 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 in rallying. Um, they're, they can only be the driver's notes. Um, if he doesn't agree with them, or whatever. Um, the last run over the stages, we would always stay. If there are any amendments to be made, uh, I'll I'll make them, and we'll give the the last run are are as they will come out during the event. No, that doesn't. Yeah, me putting in. Sometimes maybe I'd ad lib. It would happen if 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 it was a thing. The road got very very wet. Um, and I get, uh, particularly from a breaking point of view, I can remember happy on the Jim Clark, I think one time, Andrew, going yeah. down, go, uh, going down into what's his name's farm. Actually, the, the man who, who ran Mitsubishi for many years, Lord be good to him. Uh, yeah, Andrew Cowan. Andrew Cowan. We, one of the stages actually went down the main road and we turned left up, I think in his front gate and up into the farmyard and back out the back, the, 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 the other entrance to the farm. I remember St. Andrew's, I try the brakes try the brakes going down just going down the main road on the on and the Jim Clark so the thing took off like it was like it was on yeah. four concrete blocks it was yeah it's sometimes you will but 99% of the time you don't change you certainly don't change notes um but remember yeah maybe I, maybe maybe it was only in the notes once I'm not too sure how many times I called it <laughs> yeah. but uh you know as I said before many times I'm partially deaf and with James's volume control and all of that, it all helps and hand movements. And if you ever see, and you will have seen it through some of the video footage, you see me putting my thumb up, there's no comment. He understands that I've, I've I heard him and I'm clear and we're going to go in a wee bit deeper into that corner now. So that, that's <laughs> you hear him, but you're not listening. <laughs> no, the thumb up means I got this. I've got it. As long as he knows I've got it, then he leaves it to me. And that's the way it was great way to operate and Andrew when you when you're when you're making the notes and you're doing the recce how often would you get out of the car and walk a verge and and test the the grass to see could you cut never walk, <laughs> walk? <laughs> how would you have time for that <laughs> no, you're joking no we 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 had a very simple system and Bertie Fisher uh bless him advised me on many occasions Andrew you make your notes, you run your notes, you check your notes. And if you have a chance uh, at any time to have a fourth run, have it. But outside that, you get off the stage and do your business then because you have to be good enough to drive that car with that level of information. As James says, when he made the notes, we checked what he had written down and then we run them. And that's when we changed nothing. So whatever was on that page, uh, that's what uh, was applied. Now, there's a some, few words that James would have thrown in, as we know, uh, depending on how deep we were going into some of the corners, that was extra uh, <laughs> vocabulary, we'll call it. But outside that, the notes were the notes. And, you know, the, I'm, I'm I just in my head, you know, like Kandrum, the famous jump in Kandrum, you always point, you know, took the arrow out of it. Did you ever, in the reggae, did you just drive that and say that you cut through the grass there, or was that just on the day, just go oh, for it. I, I would have driven that up to that at probably 10 mile an hour. We'd mm -hmm. have seen the line through it and we would have seen where we thought the car would land and 
usually did land where we thought it would land and we'd be on the right hand side of the road and we cut probably half James or quarter or somewhere in between whatever the note was called in that one and we always knew she was going to come up sideways and land and, and on we'd go and what a spectacle for the spectators but what I will say every year that sign used to get closer and closer to the fence <laughs> because it's That's not what like, I remember. He's the cha- he's the, he, he chased he, he he was dependent on whoever was putting up the arrow because when you landed you had a T junction going left not long after it. So the further in they pushed the arrow, the further in he kept chasing it. So <laughs> invariably, sorry, you can get it. Yeah, there was a photograph of the car with the arrow in the middle of the of the of the radiator. <laughs> yeah, on a couple of occasions. Yeah, and but, I I believe a, a Range Rover can jump over that as well. I've heard stories. <laughs> Yeah, I I, 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 brought Linda, my wife, for a spin around that stage and Nakala one day, and she got, she had never been on the stage because they were always out doing weather notes, and I was showing this is the line through it, and someone, someone spotted us taking the line over that jump in the main row. <laughs> it was very funny. So Connor, I think we'll cut to the second clip there now. This is the end of Brina. And like, for once, James was actually pushing you on. You to hear this one. <laughs> like, it's not very often, James, you're telling him to go on. <laughs> well, th- th- there's quite a few times he will say it. It's just whether you've picked it up in the past in the videos. And I think through the rally, and I picked it up several times uh, in Donegal in 2006, where he says, go on. And that means you go on. So I, I take his instruction on that as well. <laughs> James is not too sure. <laughs> I, uh, in, fa- in fairness, I suppose the um, there might be times... Yeah, when you when when you're feeling comfortable, and it's I know it sounds strange to be comfortable at that speed, but yeah, one can feel comfortable at that speed, and it's just a case of yeah, every second counts, um, and uh, every every press of the accelerator or every little ounce of exertion on the accelerator will help, uh, and you just want to make sure you you squeeze the last bit out of the squeeze the last bit out of the um, out of your equipment. Um, I the, one interesting one on that was many, and I can't remember. I think it was one of the years in Killarney. Um, the Pro Drive lads basically had a look. They had they they had a look at the telemetry. I think on the uh, on the car, and they were getting very excited. Um, and I think a rally or two later, they arrived back with this graph. No, yeah. it didn't. It meant nothing to me. I have uh, just all these all these squiggles, um, but they basically had watched or they looked the telemetry of of I think it was it was the gap miles gap, and they found I think Andrew had was on full throttle for something like eighty five percent I think or eight maybe eighty percent of the time he was on full brakes fifteen percent of the time. And the other five was getting from one to the other. So nowhere did he actually feather the throttle, something they'd never, ever seen. Um, and they, they printed it out as engineers would look at this thing. And they, they were marveling at this, these squiggles 
which basically meant nothing to me. But when he when they explained it to me, yeah, I said, yeah, that's that that that's our boy Andrew basically, <laughs> fully committed on both ends. It's either keep her lick the whole way or basically stand on her. But there was no uh, there was no there was no half halfway house. So yeah, um, that's to an extent the the Nesbit way, and it's it's the bit that uh, I got the kick out. Yeah. Uh, must have been something else, <laughs> but like even them two wee clips, just you know the difference on the road surface, you know like like bone dry and then you know running water, like uh, you had a, obviously a gravel crew, uh, Graham yourself and Ollie O'Donovan, I think we're doing gravel crew that that must have made your job very difficult for the weekend as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, Ollie and I had done a, a fair fair bit of time together, you know, the previous few years leading up to that. So I think we both had a good understanding of the notes, which, and, and I think probably of of um of all the sets of notes that are out there, they're probably the ones that not everybody understood, or, or certainly not that they weren't the most uh, the ones that I think Killian Duffy wouldn't have been necessarily photocopying them and sending them out on, on Friday morning. Anyone that was stuck for a set of notes. Um, but actually, you know, they, they made a lot of sense to Ollie and I. You know, we spent enough time sort of running stages that we knew what was what. But um, for sure, you know, it was a the pressure was on as always in that role, and it, and it is a role that's a bit behind the scenes. But you know, it it is um, it's an interesting one. Uh, we were running the stages with Mark's parents, uh, Tony and Christina Higgins. So we'd, we'd bump into them and Mark's recce car at the end of most stages or at a petrol station and sort of say, well, what, what did you make of that? And, you know, there was always that great kind of relationship with them. They're lovely, lovely people. And um, for sure, you know, 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. going on to Cork Mountain and then straight into Brina, it was two very, very good stages. I think Brina in particular, you know, it's only been run two or three times since, but I think it's a hell of a stage. And I'd love to see it come back to the Donegal International because it really is a challenge. Mm -hmm. um you know short enough stage only four or five minutes long but really really exciting as you can see from these clips but yeah changeable conditions are always a challenge mm -hmm. and like at that what age were you at that stage you must have been only what 17 18 i was yeah so i was 17 um <laughs> so privilege for me you know i i had um spent a bit of a, an education uh you know with the, with the pace notes and i've been probably doing that job probably from 02 onwards um Previously with John Weatherly, um, former former sort of top end British rally driver who was worked with the twenty two motorsport team, and then with Ollie O'Donovan, um, and then Neville Matthews actually did did one as well, I believe, and um, back I think that was Cork. That's that 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 ended in different circumstances, um, but again for another day. But yeah, it was you know through that that kind of period, I had the the opportunity to kind of learn a lot of those stages, and um, you know watching this in car back really brought that home. It was great times. I can think you, you probably remember sections and you know notes and like if there was water running down it, you make probably making amendments to the notes and you know next thing they were being read out to your father then that's unreal. yeah absolutely I mean what we were really looking out for you know where is gravel being pulled out onto the road um you know it's not like in the world championship where you get to run between the passes of a stage so we were really just looking at what might have happened with spectators running the stages that morning or I think particularly if a farmer had been out you know um. In a tractor or something like that and, and pulled a bit of mud onto the road running between two fields that was something obviously that the lads would need to know about or i think more you know in, in the dry conditions a bit of gravel on the stage or a bit of mud is probably the height of it i think it's when it gets uh wet or in particular changeable and um, you know i think shiny tar you'll hear that through the pace notes as you listen back to these stages james making a lot of calls 
that it's shiny. Any of those inputs about shiny tar would have been from the mud notes because when you're making the, the, the paste notes on the recce, you know, uh, four or five days before the rally runs, you know, the, the, the conditions will have changed. And if it's a dry road, you don't want to know about shiny, shiny corners. So, um, you know, any, any, any inputs like that would have been the feedback from us. And um, thankfully, bar, bar the last uh, square right in Atlantic Drive, I'm <laughs> fairly unscathed. <laughs> and like, well, Jim, sorry, Jim, do you remember, was it a dry reggae? Like, you didn't know that, like, obviously put a different slant on the whole notes as well. I haven't a clue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, uh, the reality, I, I presume, I know, th- I went to look, but I couldn't find them. I think the notes are, see, uh, it wasn't our first rodeo. So we'd have been, uh, the stages wouldn't have been unfamiliar to us at that yeah. stage, but we'd have been, got to 10 years, I suppose, Andrew. Well, wait a minute, 98, yeah. we started yeah. together. So there was, uh, there was seven, eight years, could even be seven or eight, six, seven years of notes there. So mm-hmm. at that stage, it isn't that you wouldn't need notes, but you'd have, we'd seen it wet and dry down the year. So you had a fair idea where the water might be running and all that kind of stuff. But still, yeah, yeah there's always stuff that, can, that, that just comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So as to whether it was wet or dry, if it was wet, you do your best to put as much of the information in as you could at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I would, I would, in my notes, have a little byline for myself underneath, where I'd have SIW slippy if wet. Um, if it happened, the, the, the stage was wet, and you'd always hope the stage would be wet when you'd be making notes, but you'd love to see it at its worst, <clears throat> um, rather than at its at, at its best, because at least you know you, you have a fair idea what, what it's going to throw at you. But um, but don't forget, the, you- can't really remember for the, the recce. I, all, yeah. all I do remember is I think we we actually had a Mitsubishi. Uh, works recce car. Yes. That I do remember. We have a photograph of it, James. <laughs> <laughs> a Mitsubishi Mits, a bear pizza. That was about, yeah. I think that was about everything in it. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, Andrew, from your point of view, like that's it. not only, you know, we'll, we'll chat about that later on, the, tr- the trust you have in James, the trust you had in Graham and Ollie to, to you know, give you the, the notes that you could drive to, that's, you know, very cool for a guy that was 16, 17. That's an amazing responsibility on Graham's shoulders. Yeah, well, look, at he had plenty of experience from a young fella. He'd been mm-hmm. sitting in a lot of cars and he understood what was needed, as did Ollie. And don't forget, we had 25 people in our team for most international rallies. And that was a lot of weather note people, uh, the management team, Ian Hard at the time. and. A lot, you know, with people on suspension, people on brakes, people on tires, and the weather crews. We'd have we'd have had four weather crews out, and some of the stages would have had two teams at mid, at quarter point, and at seventy five percent in to give us the information, as well as the guys putting their notes because they'd drive through, and part of the stage could be dry, and all of a sudden you get to the top of Nakalanis. The rain's coming down at you. Mm-hmm. So the people would then inform us back to the notes what they seen the conditions to be. And all I want to know was it dry or was it wet? And at 75%, if it was dry, it, if it was uh, wet at, at 25%, I'd still go on slicks probably. Mm-hmm. Because from midpoint, it was going to be dry, and that's where you take the time off. As you know, in the past, James, we've done that all a few times in slicks when it was raining. Yeah, it works. 
<laughs> and that's all you'll say in the matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It works with a standing knife. Yeah. <laughs> Cut. Just on, yeah, yeah. on that last clip we watched there, um, you know, I think in terms of where that was and the significance of that stage in the rally, so the two Mitsubishis were fastest on both runs, Sabrina, but that being the second run that we're watching there, which was stage nine, that was the point the boys went into the lead. Um, and actually, you know, and I think he'd done a, a, a tremendous rally up to that point. I think Kevin Lynch had a bit of bother um, and, and dropped back a little bit, but that was the point from which the, the, the first bit fishy went into the lead and Mark was clearly coming behind. You know, I think he was maybe lying. Um, I think that maybe got him up into the top three and then, you know, he pushed up into the top two. But I think really from that point onwards, that was the, the last stage on Saturday morning going into service um, before then tackling the, the, the big stages Saturday afternoon, um, which are obviously so famous, particularly Nakala. But really from that point, the two Mitsubishis were at the head of the field and, and um, it kind of goes on from there. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, you know Mark Higgins' first time in Nakala, that, you know, for him must have been done. Did you see that as a somewhere you could gain the advantage, Andrew? Yeah, but not against Mark Higgins. Mark Higgins spent his life in, in World Rally cars. You know, <clears throat> I hadn't been in a, in a World Rally car for two years before that. So he probably had the upper edge on me in terms of seat time. So I had to overcome that. The fact that we probably had been over Nakala a, a large number of times helped, but the road was wide for the best part. So it was, you know, it was going to be down to both drivers uh, to take it on, which he did. And don't forget, he was winning some of the stages as we were losing to him. So mm -hmm. it was snip and tuck for probably six stages on the Saturday evening where he took half and I took half. So that's a 50-50 yeah. position. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing is, I think we probably stole a bit of a lead with the likes of High Glen, Low Glen, because we, yeah. we, yeah, we were always fast in that particular stage. Nakala, I loved it. James yeah. and I just loved Nakala, and you know, you, you went into Kerry Gort and Corn Hill. I loved all those stages. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah, Connor, I think we'll we'll, we'll pull up that first clip there from Nakala. I was breaking there a hundred yards before that. <laughs> if you go back to the left-hander and the right-hander, I could see um, Donna Kelly standing on the hedge with this helicopter in the background. And he and I often talk about that stage. And he was saying to me, Andrew, you slid around both corners. Do you realize that? I didn't realize it until I watched that in-car footage. And if you look at it closely, we were sliding in both directions around that corner, and the car was full on fifth gear. And the, James, at that point, you know, next stop America. <laughs> do, do you do you even think about that whenever you're there and then in the zone at that time? No, you're driving the road. Right. Uh, yeah, what's at the other side of the hedge? 
doesn't matter. Ah, let it there for the moment. Most of it will pass us by. Yeah, the, the one thing to, the, 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 the one issue there, if you look at it, when you're braking, um, again, sometimes if the car gets onto the white line, you're losing grip on two wheels. So it's just what, yeah, that's why you just have to, you, you need a, you nearly need a line for braking down into that hairpin. Um, and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You get bitten once by those white lines. You don't get, but you, you don't do it again. And particularly on, on a wide road like Nakala, you know, you just, when, when, when the, when the, when the car is hanging on by its toenails, uh, yeah, you, you touch the white line and you'll, you'll feel it. You really will because it'll, it'll, it, the car will move. Um, so you can, yeah, you can feel that coming up through the seat of your pants, basically. Oh, yes. the, yeah, 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 you will. Yeah, no, uh, that's the, I think that's the, the, the that crest on, on the on the big long, it's like a helter skelter down to the hairpin. That's that's probably my favorite bit of Narcala because the car, if you, if you come out of it hard enough, which obviously we did, the car <laughs> goes light, but she can just she has so much time to actually come back down to earth and 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 feel, <clears throat> sit, sit sit back down on her haunches for the braking. Uh, it's a class piece of road. Yeah, and 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 on the red limiter as well over the crest. Yeah, and I guess at the start of that stage, and obviously that clips from kind of the midpoint, or certainly coming up over the top of the mountain um, and down into that chicane before taking off. I think we'll see another bit of the really fast stuff. But um, you know, the first couple of corners of that stage, and and um, you know, I think again we'll we'll remember Donegal 05 the previous year in the blue S nine going off in Will Harris Bend. So actually, if you listen to the in-car that'll be up on YouTube, um, James's call coming up to Will Harris Bend, cold tires, cold tires, remember, remember. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 you know, going into that stage and going up that mountain, you know, the previous year, that's where it came a cropper. And, you know, yeah. obviously a rally's never won by Nakala on the Saturday afternoon, but certainly it was looking good the previous year. So I think, you know, I think in the context of that and how well the rally was starting to go, mm-hmm. I think more than any other year, it was about getting over Nakala and you know and living to fight for the rest of the day because um that that is obviously a huge turning point in every Donegal rally is when whether it's Saturday morning or Saturday lunchtime, Nakala is the big one. So I think it's you know watching those calls and that first couple of miles. I think as you can see, a couple of miles on, the commitment was was never in doubt, but it was certainly yeah, I think on front of James's mind, and I'm sure Andrew's as well. Because like even halfway around that corner, fifth gears pulled. You know, when James just warned him about cold tires, cold tires, he drops the fourth. But halfway around the corner, fifth gears pulled, and it's nailed again. <laughs> yeah, but I think the, the one thing about the previous year was that not alone are we cold tires, and we also ran moose probably for the first and only time in the country um, that we ran it, uh, and the moose right. because of the delay, the moose itself had actually gone cold. So you had tires that not only were they cold but i think when the moose when the moose goes cold it contracts so the you, you we actually had to close close enough before the four soft cold tires going around that corner uh, and yeah. effectively four concrete blocks so we were probably never going to get around it um yeah and pirelli wanted us to ch- test the the moose that year and it was never on any of my tires before or since so there you go good point on that one and Connor will pull up the, the second clip here. Uh, I would advise you to pull in your belts a bit tighter for this one. <laughs>
It's the same Donegal, yes, sir. Matt Doherty's house. Yeah, that 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 is a that is a great part of the stage. I just yeah. love it. Uh, like it, there's like there's no left for nothing there, sir. <laughs> it's frightening, isn't it? That like well, and the only other thing about the Mitsubishi, it was doing about four or five mile an hour faster than any of the other cars we ever went over that on. Right. So we we knew it. Clementry told us it was doing 133 through those two corners. I was actually standing down on the left-hand side where those people are at that gate. And that is, you know, a big, big place in Irish rallying. You know, that that speed coming up to it, up those, up that hill and coming up to that crest. Um, you know, the there's the little junction on the right-hand side before it, and that's where you take the right side, left 18, and then you're calling it square left 18, right 18 over crest. I mean, in those notes, that means like uh, as close to flat um as you as you like and you know driving up that in a road car or standing at the top of it it, it is not flat and really i think that's one of the places to see a world rally car in irish rallying that is probably like nowhere else um and, and i can only imagine what it was like from the inside but certainly from from standing down on the left hand side it was it was pretty mad yeah but james and i had enough practice on it Enough practice have been bad or enough practice of the corners. <laughs> and like, that's one thing I noticed about the Mitsubishi. Only a five-speed box as well, too. Did that take a wee bit of dialing into your head as well? Was you always tempted to pull another gear? <laughs> yeah, I, I was always trying to pull another gear. <laughs> and also the engine was a five-cylinder. Not a four-cylinder or a six-cylinder. It was a five-cylinder. And that's why there was the very unusual noise out of the car. Well, I didn't hear it that much. But from from outside, it was all sound as if it was off a cylinder. It was missing a cylinder, or it had one too many. Uh, but that 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 was the makeup of of the the World Rally engine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And James, for you calling them notes, and the, you know this coming through the seat of the pants, like, that must be some sensation that them corners are pinned like that there. Yeah, but if you, if you look, I suppose, over the years, kind of my volume kind of t tended to go up into getting dodgy or someplace I'd be a small bit anxious about and you kind of drop back down and you almost enjoy, enjoy the rest of it. So you could see, I know exactly what that is. It was really relaxed coming up. To, there's probably the guts of two miles of flat out. It, it ain't straight, but it's flat to the washers. And when you get up to the top, when you get up to the top, yeah, just kind of take a deep breath and kind of squeeze everything in in the hope that you get through the two the two little nineties and we're away again. But yeah, um, yeah, there's a. I suppose there's a. It's it's a funny thing. There's a kind of comfort to 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 know that uh, everything is working. Your man's more is 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 well up for the job and the car is well up for it. So yeah, you're in probably the most privileged place isn't that you're considering privilege but you just feel a comfort and a, and a, and a, and, a, and a security that everything's everything is uh, you know um, it's working well this there's no there's no big danger here it'll it'll be it'll be all right uh, we'll get, you know um yeah and it's, it's a funny old game a lot of it is in the head and i think 
uh, while on the Saturday, probably Friday, um, it's it sounds strange, but they, they, they I know that these these two big cars are coming, and everybody could be a bit, and then people said, oh, "Who the hell do they think they are bringing these big, these yokes?" We'll show them, um, and by you know Friday evening, Saturday morning, it was a case of there's there's a train coming through, guys. Either you know <clears throat> you're, you you either stay ahead of it or get off the road because these two boys are going to come through, and they're 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 gunning for the lot of you. So they, it's a it's a case of I think psychologically you had I won't say you hadn't beaten but a lot of it is in the head there's a lot of mind games or a lot of if people think if they if you can get the upper hand in them like any sport um there's two you didn't have to go you didn't have to persuade yourself that you can have a cut off of them and you have to you, you have to do it and in fairness to I think it was Gareth McHale Gareth was was well up for it that weekend in fairness to the lad he put up some phenomenal times you know, as did the men we, we spoke of earlier. So while we were going hard, there were other boys there that weren't, you know, weren't a million miles away. So you have to take your hat off to them. And it probably made it all the better for the spectators because it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a two man show. It was, you know, there were there were other lads sticking their oar in and all the better for that. Yeah. But I suppose in in my head, whatever about his head, um, I was pretty con that I was confident, but I suppose one had experience and one had um, at that stage, I suppose, a little bit of craft put together that, yeah, you know, we're in here with a fair good shout. Let's no point in panicking at that stage anyway, is there? And James, at, at those speeds, you know, you have an awful lot of trust in Andrew. And I suppose likewise, Andrew, you have an awful lot of trust in James calling the notes at the right time, et cetera. Like that, you know, I, I suppose is it a case of you just get into the car and you know, the other is going to deliver for both of you or you know what what's what's the thought process when you get into the car and you know to, to, to start a day's rallying yeah you don't overthink it oh <laughs> <laughs> no, i i think no. i think i think you all touched on it earlier you feel it in the seat of your pants and you know whether the car is comfortable you know if the suspension's working well the engine the braking if it's all working well both james and i had enough experience to know that it was comfortable um you know, you always drove the first day in Donegal in particular at a pace, I would say, around the 85% mark of where your ability was because you knew there was another big day coming on Saturday and Sunday. So we would have always split Friday in as one day, but Saturday was two days rallying for us. And then you had to finish it off on the Sunday. And and that's that's the way we worked it. But the comfort zone is to to drive to a limit. And I've always said, I always try to drive close to 98%, but never 100% uh, in the latter years. Years before that, I'd have been 110. <laughs> History will tell you I was off the road. So I, we, we, we had to learn where the pace was. And when James joined me, we learned the pace very quickly. Um, don't forget, I had very good navigators before that in Brian Murphy, mm -hmm. who spent many a year teaching me the art of rallying. And uh, we, so we, we had a lot of good wins as well together. And not forgetting Rory, Rory Kennedy sat with me once and, and got me into third place in 97 in the Ulster Rally, which was the only time I finished a, the rally, the, a rally that year. <clears throat> because I'd crashed in every one of them. That was after my road exit in 96, where I didn't have the power of my hand. So all of those experiences, 
we've had. James says, if you feel comfortable, I've always said, you sit in the armchair of your rally car, you feel everything through the seat of your pants, and you know it's like when the car steps out, your your you know your bum's telling your brain to turn the car right or left, and and that's where the comfort zone is. If you're driving driving above that, at a hundred plus, James will feel uncomfortable, and I will feel uncomfortable. So there, that's where the line is, uh, in terms of the comfort zone. And the other thing to remember is we had a phenomenal team of people around us and behind us, uh, you know, the, the likes of, of, of uh, Ollie and Graham out doing the notes. And, you know, we, we had huge confidence in the likes of Ian Howard and, you know, a whole host of people back at, back at, at HQ, so to speak, who were putting, who were putting all, all the information together. So like we, as I say, we, I think it was Jimmy and Sylvia were doing weather that year. I know Grace was out with, I think with Linda, I've forgotten there was could have been a couple of more. Um, Neville Matthews, yeah, Steve Dolan was always there. You know, Neville and Stevie in the uh, the tire van, I think, with the backbone yeah. of the team, and certainly so, the head of the uh, the entertainments committee as well. Right, and we had even 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 a former Mudnote man. I think uh, Nestor Anthony. I I think he was in with Tim McNulty that weekend. So we 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 had Gary. I think Gary was driving that weekend. We had him in for, uh, doing notes. We trained him for notes at one stage as well. So we'd have, at, at some stage or other, we'd, have, we'd put half the country through our hands. Uh, <laughs> and not forgetting Enda Garvey, who brought the, the Subaru yeah. S12B to Donegal. He put it back in the Cuisine de France colours uh, for us to show that off in Donegal. So all yeah. of, I don't want, to, I'm nearly afraid to forget people's names here. Yes, that, that is the problem, isn't it? But, you know, as I say, we, we were always lucky to have, a, you know, a huge... It, it, you you see the two the two the, the nut behind the wheel and 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 the head the ball next to him, but the, it's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right? There there's so many other people putting a lot of work and a lot of hard work and time at ridiculous hours of the morning. As Graham was saying, he was out on, the, on those ages at five, and we were still snoring. If you know what I mean. So there's a lot. They uh, it just doesn't happen, and that's one the one thing. While people are you know they the people look at the two in the in the car the reality is there's an awful lot of hard work done by a lot of people behind the scenes at the same time we we had <clears throat> matthew my younger son and your daughter ashley they're only 12 or 13 and they never really cared much other than run after each other so <laughs> give them a mention james <laughs> <laughs> yeah when some yeah and um, Bite one's tongue in that, and, and, and when it comes to the pair of them, but yeah, in fairness, they, <laughs> they were out there. They were out there from the. I think, in fairness, I did Grace Nash and just like Graham, Graham and Matthew. I think they were out doing mud, mud uh, weather crew. I'd say from the, about the age of four or five. Yeah, I think there's even a clip of Ashling. I think at the age of three, basically bringing buns to the soccer vine for Liam O'Callaghan and myself. So. Yeah, it's um, you have you have GA families, but I think you you you've just struck into rally families that uh, you know have been brought up with it, um, whether they liked it or not. Yeah. So. That was our holidays. Uh, that was, but I think, you know, Fisher brought this level of professionalism to Irish rally. Whenever Bertie's had, uh, you know, we lost Bertie. You took on that mantle. You seen the professionalism Bertie brought to the sport. And you lifted it to another level again, you know, with Cuisine de France and, and then and later, you know, and bringing this Mitsubishi team. Did you feel it like a, almost an ambassador, ambassador, ambassador role that you were bringing to Irish Rallying as well? Was it like 
Did you want to drive areas rather than to the forefront of people's minds? That's what people I'm getting to. Well, in 2000, Ivan Fisher sat down with me after Birdie's accident, and we we agreed that we would get a, a World Rally car back to Ireland. And lo and behold, it took off after that period for us. While we had won in 96 and 98, uh, those years after that were very special in the Cuisine de France cars. 2000 was very special. 2002 was very special. Uh, as you know, we won the two championships together, James and I, Subaru. But then to get the chance to drive the Mitsubishi World Rally car, we were retired. Yeah. I was retired for sure from international rallying. And then this Walter Mitty guy arrived with this Mitsubishi idea. It turned out to be the luckiest thing of our lives. And I suppose in a, in a small way, we say, have to say thank you to whoever you are out there for bringing us the opportunity that has probably changed James' life and my life forever in, in motorsport. That was just the most amazing uh, drive ever of my life. Yeah, because you, know, you think about it, 17 years later, here we are talking about it. It's, it's bonkers, isn't it? <laughs> and Connor, you wanted to jump in there about Sunday. Yeah, to, I suppose moving on basically to, to to controlling the rally then from Sunday. So so what do you call it, Glen? What what was the stage like? You know, what was the approach going into Glen? James, yeah, Glen, Glen, yeah. For for a lot of people, Knockalla is is the stage. For Andrew Nesbitt, it's Hyde. He calls it Hydlin Lordlin. Uh, and there's a section across the mountain before you get down into the into into the village of Glen. And uh, there's, you, you take a number of very, very deep breaths going around some of those corners. Um, it is, it's serious commitment up there. If you want to see Andrew Nesbitt and serious commitment, it's up and it's up up there in Hydlin, Lodlin. Um, some of the stuff, you, if you drive it, well, I haven't driven it, but if you were to drive it in a road car and you just look at these things and you're taking them flat, you said, yeah, you're off your head. But yeah, um, it worked. It works, um, but yeah, Hydlin was would be, would probably, in hindsight, be the most dangerous stage you'd have to attack Nesbitt. Yeah, he's it's not a stage you'll get anything off of him inside there. Um, so, but yeah. having said that, James, we nearly went off coming through the village. We, we were opposite blocked for all, all of a half as a second. I thought that was already a display for the spectators. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Connor, I think we'll take a wee look at the, the clip as they come just before, you know, maybe a couple of miles outside the village. That was evil, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was quite nasty. Like the the water run down the side of the road and all there too. Like it was. Yeah, it was that first that first right hander at the? It's pretty much at the end of the very fast stuff. Mm -hmm. That was always dodgy anyway. That was kind of black shiny tar there even on the good day, and water on top. It was yes, you could see the 
he was fighting with the seer and the thing actually I think it, she, she, it probably would have made a nice photograph for somebody if they happened to be there kind of job you know that, that was you know that was the first stage out Sunday morning and if you look at that you know the rally I think Saturday afternoon is, as we said it was very nip and tuck it was kind of two seconds here three seconds there and um, you know on that on that stage the lads took six out of Higgins and 16 out of Gareth in third place in the stage so you know I think more than any other stage on the rally, I think that was where there was probably peak commitment, perhaps. And as GM said, that was a, a real favourite stage and probably a target stage. And it is, you know, the old cliche, the Fisher tactic, the first stage in the morning, see who's had the breakfast. And um, I think we can see on that one, it was a really good run. Sure. And Andrew, you obviously had the, the wheat effects that morning. <laughs> yeah, well, believe it or not, I probably hit an Irish fry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, never change a, a habit of a lifetime. But the... Yeah, coming down through that, if you notice, it was fifth gear the whole time. Um, probably that's where the time was taken on that stage. Yeah, it was a really nasty, was there a really nasty bit? It's probably been tarmac sense, but really nasty bit west of the village. Uh, a whole lot of a whole lot of corners which basically tightened and tightened, and some of them tightened on top of tightening. It was uh they were it was fairly nasty stuff back there because I think there's a couple of big rocks from memory that were kind of just sitting there waiting to collect you. Yeah, we'll 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 cut now to the other clip now. This is out the other side of the village. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did you did you hear me talking there? A wee bit, but I think you were cursing. I got away. We were in fifth gear through that yeah. water, James. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I think we maybe you weren't wise, were you? No. Weren't so wise yourself. <laughs> I'm not sure who was the, the least wise. <laughs> now, what a stage, guys. That is my uh, probably number one stage in Donegal. Nokala, number two. Believe it or not, Glenn is the one I enjoyed the best. Um, Ask Rory Candy, he'll tell you. <laughs> Graham, for you to watch that there, like, you know. Like you know these guys, you know, you see them outside the rally car, they're quite normal. <laughs> but to see that there, that is bonkers in places, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's, you know, of course, I'm exceptionally proud of both Dad and James' achievements through those years, but getting to actually sit and recover this footage after 17 years, and, you know, I think you, you see the odd clip that's up on YouTube or you maybe watch the RPM highlights, which is a half an hour for the full rally, which doesn't really do it justice because there was so much going on. To actually be able to sit back and watch the full seven or eight minutes of Glen or the full 10 minutes of Faymore or any of these stages, it really is um, a privilege to sit back and watch it after all these years. And like, Graham, are you, are you ever shocked by the footage or shocked by the commitment or surprised or, you know, when you haven't seen it maybe in a while and you come back like you have with revisiting these onboards, like, does it take your breath away? Well, I suppose I was reared on it, Connor, you know, both both on and off the stages probably. Um, you know, we, we um, probably a fair degree of madness in our house. So I think shocked is maybe the wrong word, but um, 
seeing seeing the pace, you know, it, it I think it just brings us back to the level that these guys were operating at. Not just these guys, but Mark Higgins, Gareth McHale, Eugene Donnelly, Derek McGarity, Eamon Boland, Kevin Lynch. You know, the list goes on and on. Austin was doing the rally that year. He's obviously a hero of mine and a hero of Irish rallying. So, um, you know, when you look back and uh, you see the times and you see the pace, it really was a special era of motorsport in this country. Sure, sure. And you mentioned you mentioned Faymore stage and, and that's where Higgins went off. Um, James, did that relieve the pressure or did it add to the pressure, you know, that you had to bring the car home or, or you know, what was the mood in the camp then when the news came through? I can get to, I was never told about it. I, it was after the event I was told that he'd actually taken the door off it or whatever. Yeah, I think, you know, from memory we had... I had very little interaction with Rory and and uh, and um, Mark during the event for some reason. I can't. I think we might. I, I, as I say, my 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 memory my memory is, is is hazy, but I don't remember have anything. Yeah, I think we you you just looked at the times and you knew. As I say, you, Nesbitt on 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 Hyde Glen, basically you kind of half knew you're that in the pocket. If we, if we came out of that, we were, you know, you knew you were, you were going to be ahead of the game, or at least you, they, if if they had a go at you, they had to be, they had to be right on the door handles to be anywhere close to you. So you kind of, yeah, it, it, I know I'm probably coming across as a, a bit smug, but it's not that. I think we, you, you're, the lads. You, you knew if if they had to, if they had to push that hard to get to do damage to stay with you you knew that the the pressure was on them um we pr- i once said we had the upper hand but if we had the couple of seconds in the bag and they had to take it back and they were they were obviously trying very 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 hard to get that back um and you know test driver they don't as a rule you know um but probably one of the you know close enough to one of the most experienced navigators in the game with him. I, you know, you're not looking at amateurs. You're looking at two boys right at the top of their game. So if they were, if they had to push themselves that hard to stay, you know, to, to stay in the game with us or, or to try and have a cut off us, that of itself, I suppose, once it, it gives you a little, you kind of saying, yeah, okay, we're obviously doing something right here. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I have no recollection. Maybe in a service area, I might have seen the door stoved in or something, in which case, yeah, you were kind of, yeah, you see your man's door kind of job, you know? But, yeah. Uh, Things happen, James. We've taken a few doors off in our time ourselves. Well, if, you, if, you, if you look at that section of Claymore, and, and if, it, if it only stayed as doors, would be grand. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if if um Andrew, if you remember, John Easton came back to Donegal a month after the rally, and stayed in the Shandon Hotel. You know, yep. brought his wife over, um, because he you know enjoyed c- coming over for the rally so much, and, and we invited him back over. But if you remember, John, yourself, and myself went out for a spin, um, and I think you were probably driving an M5 or something at the time, and we took off up into Faymore in the M5, and there's seven really bad kicks consecutively. Um, coming out of Crecia there, heading up towards Muckish, and he couldn't believe how rough it was. And it was just actually after those kicks, down to a right and a left and a right and a left, and then the next bad right-hander, that's where Mark went in. And that it's an incredibly tough piece of stage. And I think 
that guy had worked all over the world in the world championship and i think that gave him a real insight into irish tarmac and i think you know fame or more commonly known as port lake it, it that is as rough um in some of those parts and a few of those kicks and i think actually the there's on the in car when people get to watch it there's one kick in particular um, it's not often that you speak, Andrew, but I think you had a comment to, to the uh, to the effect of "Oh fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> after really? One, yeah, <laughs> after after one of the kicks, and I can tell you, you went through it a lot lot easier the second run of the stage um, because it was just so rough in there. But hell of a stage. Yeah. And Andrew, like, I, did, I did all tomorrow. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Like you know, to hear these stories and like. To relive them, you know, through the, the NCAR, it must give you that buzz again to, you know, to want to, to, to wind back the clock almost. Yeah, well, look, at, it's still there. We mm. went and bought a World Rally car, as Graham said earlier, um, for James and I to go play with. And it's sitting in the, with John Easton and Malcolm at the moment, um, just after being completely rebuilt from front to back, gearbox, suspension. Um, John prides himself in saying, Andrew, I have the Donegal settings in the suspension, <laughs> you know, and springs <laughs> and dampers. Uh, it's not about the gearbox or about the engine. It's about the suspension. And that, that stood out for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when the car was driven after in different countries, they used the Donegal settings where roads were similar. Mm-hmm. That must give you an immense sense of pride that you... No, this world team that had travelled the world, come to Donegal, to your rally, and found something that you helped them to develop, that changed the way they approached the, the events from there on in? Yeah, well, the only thing is, there was one more car built, and unfortunately, we didn't get our hands on it. Uh, it's sitting in a museum somewhere in Germany, but it was the evolution of that car that we drove from Donegal. It had wider suspension, a Rhaegar suspension, I think it's called, Graham, is it? Yeah. And it, it was up spec and the engine had a different uh, ma- engine management system on it. And John always said, Andrew, this car will be a half a second, a kilometre faster than the one you have. And I'm going, well, who's going to beat that? You know, and it was going to bring us right up there in, in front of the Citroens and everything else. Subarus, the 12Bs, it was ahead of all of those cars, but it never got seen the rally light of day. Yeah. And I did try to buy it, by the way, before we took this car to Donegal. Mm. But who knows? It might appear yet. Yeah. And it's been. brand new. Yeah. It has never seen a rally stage once. Mm-hmm. And James, I would say your daddy didn't get his hands in I know. In fairness, as, as, as Andrew said, it was great to, you know, uh, works team. I think, yeah, the, the most interesting thing is when, when, I, when I went, as I say, I did a small bit of research to see if I could find some paperwork. But my first introduction was uh, I turned up at my navigator's bag. I was told, what are you doing with that? We'll take that. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, you know, the, the professionalism was was quite amazing. Um, you know, yeah, a navigator's bag. You know, there's a, it's a bit like a woman's handbag. There's everything inside, and it does flog entire apps. There's the, you know, there's tools. There's bits of this and bits of that, and anything you might happen to need. So guess it. No, you're not having it. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a pouch in the door for your paste notes. That's there's a pouch there 
for the uh, the time card and there's a third pouch for the, the road book. You need nothing else. There's three there's three pins there. Forget it. You get nothing else. Anything yeah. else the car carries. And that was it. So, yeah, it's it, it from that point of view, it was interesting just to see the, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, I could be carrying around three or four bottles of water and, you know, all, all manners of, of, of extra weight. And they just said, no, we're not having that. So it's just the, the sheer professionalism of how the, how they operate, um, and you can see obviously when they develop a car, they t- you know they they're into um, you know weight saving and all that kind of stuff. So what what another half a second a kilometer would be like? All I'd be hoping is that the brakes could match it. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, we we never had a problem really in that department. But I always remember coming in and start the Atlantic Drive um, before that. And sitting back and studying what they were doing, they had three computers on the car. And one was in the engine, one was in the suspension, and the other one was on the diff um, gearbox. And all the guys are looking at all of this. And I, I had to pinch myself and say, is this Formula One we're at here? Because that's what we were looking at. They had a complete lorry sitting there, downloading the telemetry of everything. And... The first run over the last uh, six stages, we had a great cut at them. What I didn't realize when we came in to do the last three stages, they reduced the engine power because they said, look, you have enough time up here. I didn't know it at the time. And if you, you know, history will show you, while we led the rally for a long period right to the finish, the last three stages, those other guys took over the lead in those stages because the engine power was reduced on the car to get it to the finish. They wanted that car to win, and they didn't want to risk the engine. And they just detuned it uh, for the last three runs. And if you look closely at the footage, you will see that. And you'll see me playing with the gears a little bit more rather than the, the power wasn't there. And lo and behold, we nearly slipped off on, on Atlantic Drive as a result of that. Yeah, I think Connor will take a wee look at that, that incident. <laughs> Yeah, that's the corner. That is the corner. But every corner on that stage and the one before it, we were we were down on par, only because they were protecting the the engine. So we we probably were losing a quarter to half a second a mile. Yep. Just to, to get to the finish line. And James, you you were being very calm there. Was it? There's no point in getting stressed here. Just keep calm. We'll get out of here. You know, with enough in hand. Or is it? You know, I. You know, you don't want to get stressed in case you cause Andrew to get anxious. Ah, uh, there'd be no fear of him. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <clears throat> yeah. Look, the reality is when you're either in it when you're um. In a situation, let's put it that way, um, it's outside of my control. There's no point to me starting, starting huffing and puffing. It's not going to improve, get, get any, you know, it's, that's not going to change matters or improve matters. It's just a case of you have a job to do, get on with it and call the next one. You know, um, you know uh, so why there's, there's, you're, you're not going to reverse the situation. So just get on with it. Yes. Yeah, let's be honest. We we had it. It was 
Yeah, it looked like a bang. He did the cursing for both of us. Um, <laughs> the important thing is that there was no steam. Um, and uh, yeah, you're just, you, 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 you hope it was soft enough, let's be honest about it. But while, while there are, there's a lot of stones on, on, on Atlantic Drive, he could have picked the worst place. He could have picked far worse places to nudge the bank. Mm-hmm. So it really wasn't, um, yeah, I think. I think the stage was evil enough anyway. I think it was, yeah, quite it was, it was, it was wild, really. slippy, a lot, a lot of the way. So let's be, you know, the reality is, is a, you know, uh, he's, he was a, like, like a lot of the boys in the, in, in the rally, he was a miracle worker to get it around so, so many of those corners in any event. So yeah. uh, it isn't for me to be fellas is shouting the odds. <laughs> and like, Andrew, do you, do you, do you know, is there like an inner panic is like, you know, I need to get out of here and need to get this going again or do you is it better just to remain calm and settle yourself and go right just take it take a circle here I said earlier you're in the armchair and the more relaxed you are uh, going into an event and through the event the better the result will be if you start panicking uh you, you'll get you'll cause an accident that that situation really was caused by not enough power in the engine just on, at, at that point in time compared to what we had for the whole rally. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, if you look at it closely, you'll see I went at it the second time. It was the second time that overdrove the, the corner. And if I had the power there, it wouldn't have happened. But there was enough power to get us through. Uh, we went into that stage and someone would have had to pass us to win the rally. Yeah. So it was a matter of keeping them behind us. Mm-hmm. And the car would have got very wide of anybody that caught you, Lucy. <laughs> Stage would have been very narrow. <laughs> uh, I think we'll we'll cut in now to the last twenty seconds of the of, of that final stage. What can we say? <laughs> um, I don't think there's a career there for you in the Eurovision or anything like that. <laughs> no. Well, that, to look back at that, that must bring back so many memories to the Buffies. I'll let James go there first. Ah, uh, sure, of course. Um, to, to get to get a run in a works car is kind of the stuff. Um, dreams are made of and I suppose even when I was starting out you, you to something you would never ever dream of not a mind uh, you know expect that anybody in in the country at that stage would have had the opportunity and uh, yeah I was just um, I had the best seat in town uh, by a long shot um, in my in, in my opinion um, you fellas you won't get uh, you wouldn't get a better team um, both them professionally and the lads we brought with us um because while they brought all their ex their ex their world expertise um our boys brought the local knowledge and to me that was a marriage made in heaven and you then put mr nesbitt behind the wheel um and as he said you know the he said he, his his knowledge and experience 
And his ability for the at the setup of the car, uh, you know, was the was in many ways the, the it, it was the winning of the event. So yeah, James was a lucky boy, um, and uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. Unfortunately, I've forgotten far too much of it, and uh, just want to thank you guys for uh, helping me relive some of the some of the stuff I've forgotten. Yeah, well, from my point of view, I would like just to say that. I had the best navigator in town who, who kept the kept me under control and probably deserves a gold medal for all of the years he was there maybe a gold medal for each of the years but particularly that year because that was the fastest rally james and i've ever competed in and mark higgins kept us honest along with all the other guys uh through the rally um young gareth McHale was driving very fast on the weekend as well and be honest with you we were blessed that we got the opportunity to drive the Mitsubishi World Rally car and you know I would that's why we went and bought another one and it, there's only four of them left in the world of that car and hopefully we've got the number one winning car again in that particular car because it's just rebuilt from front to toe and back again but I would like to say a big thank you to Mark Higgins and Rory Kennedy on that weekend after the event was over, we went off to one of the restaurants, Graham. What was it? Hey, arena? We're down the Arena 7, yeah. Arena 7. And I remember looking across, the two teams were there, all of the team, the weather notes and everyone. There were 44 people sitting around that table. And we were at one big table. And for the want of a better word, we were one big happy family. And the respect we all had for each other, and to this day, stands the same total respect because without a good competitor you'll never be a good competitor yourself so i always say without without the opposition you will never be anything so thank you to all my oppositions that i've ever raced and i mean that uh, without them i, I would never have been anything bernie fisher was a great uh, ambassador for the sport but also a great uh, mentor to me and as was um, a lot of people. Uh, Austin McHale was a huge mentor. Uh, Eugene Megan, another huge mentor uh, who competed a, a lot over the years as well. So I want to say a special thank you to my to those people I respect in the sport, but I want to say a, a special thank you to Eugene Donnelly and Derek McGarty and all of those guys, Austin McHale, all of those people that I've raced as James said at the start of the meeting here, was 22 World Rally cars there that day. Any one of those guys could have won the rally. It was who got up earliest in the morning and was ready for it. But we were especially lucky to get the Mitsubishi World Rally team into the hands of privateers and normal guys, we call us. Uh, not that it looks that normal from inside the car, but uh, it, it was an absolute pleasure and a and uh, total respect to the Donegal Moor National Rally Club, the RAAC, and particularly all the marshals and all the medical team and everyone that helps us get to the start line and get us home safely to the finish line. A big thank you from James O'Brien and Andrew Nesbitt. Thank you. Uh, a pleasure for myself and Connor to be involved in that conversation. So, as always, once you hit the to stop recording, there's always something you forgot to mention, and Andrew and James were no different. Graham, there's a few people that wanted to thank 
Yeah, well, I think, you know, we, we've uh, referenced a few of the rally team there, but I think when we hit the, the stop button, the two lads just wanted to to come back on and say that, you know, they, they really appreciate all the support from the family over the year in particular. So, you know, my own mother, Linda Nesbitt, and, and James's wife, Anne O'Brien, were at more or less every single rally down through those years. And then, of course, um, myself and my brother, Matthew, were dragged along and Grace and Ashling O'Brien. And, um, you know, I think it was in the blood for all of us. So I know that the two boys wanted to, to sort of make that uh clear at the end you know they wanted you to say thanks as well so um yeah but what what a pleasure you know for for myself as well to be involved in the conversation you know thank you very much kevin and connor for for the uh the platform to kind of discuss these videos and hopefully you know people out there enjoy them as much as we have for sure and connor yeah look, just fantastic to have the opportunity you know not only to see the onboards but to have andrew and james talk us through them and and you know um give us the stories behind them and whilst we looked at, you know, clips there during the episode, if anybody's interested, the full footage from each of the stages from the Saturday and Sunday Donegal 2006 are available on YouTube. There's a link below here or the, in the description. You can get the link to it. But um, certainly even if you search on, on Google or YouTube for um, Andrew Nesbitt Donegal 2006, you'll come up with the, um, the onboards. Yeah. And you're in for some entertainment. Um... Once you start, it's a rabbit hole, I warn you now. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's just bringing back, you know, we've always seen, you know, maybe a 20 or 30 second clip on RPM or something, but this is full stages, unedited. Uh, it's just hair-raising, mind-blowing, uh, words fail me. Graham, a few any words that you could <laughs> add in the description? No, look, I think, you know, I've I've had the, the, the pleasure kind of editing the, you know, the footage or getting them sort of digitized onto YouTube. So for the opportunity to watch all the stages, and I think I'll just say to, to, to rally fans, you know, it is great to look back. It's hard to believe, you know, it's it's so many years ago now coming up on, on 17 years this year. And, you know, the pace that those boys were at in those world rally cars were really as big as anything we've seen. You know, I think probably as, as the cars, the technologies have moved on, you know, the, the R5 cars now, the rally two cars. They probably handle a wee bit better. They probably turn a wee bit better. But the sheer power of those two-liter world rally cars is something else. And I think you can see that, you know, get that car up into fourth and fifth gear and just pull like anything. The torque on them was incredible. And, um, yeah, I think the, it, it makes for an incredible watch. Um, you know, so in particular, if people are looking for some highlights, I think Brina uh, on the Saturday morning is a really, really good watch. Nogala, obviously, is a stage that everyone knows and loves really, really well. But actually, the, the Sunday morning run, you know, coming down over the mountain in Glen, we saw a few clips of it, but that full stage is fantastic. And then probably my personal favourite is Faye Moore, you know, the, the, the old Port Lake stage. And yeah, I, I don't think anyone would be too disappointed if, if, if rally fans out there have been able to sit through this conversation, you know, in full length and listen to the boys chat and crack. I think another few minutes to watch watch the videos would be well worth it. So hope, hope people enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's as well as that there's, you know, you can understand why High Glen, Low Glen, as your dad calls it, why that's his personal favourite after watching that. Like, it is, like, I was sitting in the seats trying to buckle myself in because there was a few times it got a bit leery. <laughs> certainly does. And actually, if, if, if we, we didn't clip it into the, the, the conversation earlier, but if, if people watch the second run of Glen, um, about a half a mile outside the village, he's very nearly off. In fact, he is off. He's off the road, but managed to keep going. So... It was pretty hairy, and I think after that, the uh, the two boys had to, to back her off a wee bit and just get to the finish. So that was the uh, 2006 Donegal Rally special. And 
I say, go to YouTube, go down that rabbit hole, you'll no doubt you'll love every second of it, so that's it, so please like, share, comment, rate, subscribe, all those things makes a huge difference, and thanks very much for listening, and until next time, take care, speak soon, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. We've been there with Toyota, we've been there with Subaru, and now we're there with Mitsubishi. <laughs> we've tried a few, alright. You think of everything. La 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 la. <laughs> well, big. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. All right. Yeah, <laughs> program is Ivan.